0: Welcome to Creative Block, where your hosts, V.
1: And Sean, we interview people in the creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam.
0: We asked people on our social medias if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts.
1: Today, believe it or not, we have with us Wally Might. Say hello. Hey.
2: There, Thank you guys so much for is. having me on.
1: Thank you for showing up.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for, like, coming on the pod. I got really excited to get you on when I saw your thread on Twitter on your compositing work for Me Canyon, and then I realized, hey, we've never had anyone on the pod who does compositing. Really? So, yeah, I don't
2: think so. I don't You're think our we first have had...
1: compositor.
2: I am mm-hmm. honored. I, am... I speak for, I speak you, for my people. Just you speak kidding. for
1: all the comps, all the compers.
2: <laughs> You know, the compositors definitely have kind of like an interesting thing about them that connects them all, like almost like their own kind of like in post, uh, post-production, post you know, in the post-production room, they're kind of like separated in a way.
1: They'll have a mole uh, below their left eye.
2: Yes. Mole people, <laughs> very mole people. Speaking mole of mole people, people
1: can, I, can I just have you paint a picture for the audience uh, about your current recording setup and what your situation looks like right now.
2: Okay, so I have a a laptop that is I'm visiting my mom from like across the country, so I'm in my teenage bedroom and the door is over here and there's like a a random sewing table my mom put into there and then there's a chair and I'm hunched over like this. <laughs> And I have big headphones on, and I have LaCroix and ice right here. I thought you
0: had a bunch of blankets over you. I thought you, had, you had a pillow a for, it, for it, which is what I was okay, trying yeah. to set so up. But it sounds here. like
1: you were just lying. You were just, you were just stunting on us.
2: Hey, I left, I came back. You th- I didn't want to put the blankets. The blankets were like this.
1: So we ruined the blankets of your. Wait, so you just Uh-oh. had a blanket over top of everything? It wasn't like, like propped up?
2: Yeah, no, I didn't have like a legit floor. I just like threw a blanket and everything. So when we went I thought you TV were like on the floor. A family. Oh, no, I have a chair. I'm you, I'm trying to be at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. you know? <laughs> how, how you say? Uh, <laughs> fancy? <laughs> fancy.
0: Yeah, I thought you were like literally like lying on your stomach. In a pillow In a pillow Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. But this is how we get um, really good sound quality. So, Willie's doing it for y'all listeners. She's really making the blanket sound good, if that makes sense. Yeah, we've taken <laughs> I... you
1: inside the Kringle layer.
2: <laughs> Liminal banky. Liminal banky. <laughs> That's a sure. <shirt.
0: laughs> I'm gonna kind of like uh, reel it all the way back to how did you kind of figure out you wanted to go into arts?
2: Always did. Uh, I was drawing oh. my Sonic OC. Nice. She, her boobs would, were way too big. I was nine Why years did her old. Her boobs
1: roll instead of like the ball underneath Sonic.
2: Girl, we're talking D cup blasters.
1: Here, I'm going to draw what I think you're
2: doing. Oh, I'll just draw her name was Molly the Hedgehog. I was nine years old. I was on DeviantArt. I was on www.deviantart.com backslash Sega Girl until a narc reported me for being nine years old, which is so whack of him. I wow. truly wish I truly wish him the worst and his entire family.
1: Is this representation of the of the Sonic boobs correct? She
2: was more like okay, so she had the muzzle. I was just imagining and...
1: that they were rolling at is the ball
2: No, no, no. You know Rouge the Bat, you gotta they're more, like, oh. relaxed. Like this. It's
1: chilling. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then she had a piece of metal over it for some reason. <laughs> it's like a chastity
1: belt, but for <laughs> boobs.
2: <Yeah. laughs> she had, like, her, her, the top parts of her boobs were out, but then she had, like, a tube top, which was essentially a bra. And then, like, I drew her hips like, ooh. Oh. Yeah, I was a child. I love that,
0: yeah, I was gonna say, I love that as a child you were... But I think that's that's kind of, like, the whole thing about, like, the the Barbie movie, right? Where it's, like, little girls want to play as, like, adult women, in in a sense, so...
2: Yeah, I I mean, Rouge the Bat, she was, like, one of my first, like, sexy lady, you know, like, icons to look up to, you know?
0: Mmm, man. That's so cute. And so, (laughs) you kind of, like... You were like, I'm gonna draw some boobies in art school.
2: Oh, this was when I was nine. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was on this I was, this on was DVR- building
1: up your portfolio really early.
2: Oh no, yeah. okay. So so I actually gave up. I gave up okay, so I was on D V and Art drawing Hella and I played World of Warcraft one time for eight hours a day for seven years too. And then my sister, because I stopped drawing because I was playing World of Warcraft really hardcore when I was like 14 or whatever. I was really deep into raiding in (laughs) Ice Crown Citadel. My sister broke down my door one day and she looked at me and she was like, imagine all like the amount of time you physically played. And mine was like the equivalent of something insane. It was like four weeks or something. And she's (laughs) like, and she was like, imagine if you had spent all that time drawing, how good at drawing would you be? And I like quit WoW on site wow that's crazy and I I still miss it sometimes but you know that I didn't continue I didn't go on to like getting good at drawing I just went on to like date boys and be dumb
1: (laughs) I I just put four weeks into dating
2: boys (laughs) (laughs) yes I could have spent four weeks dating boys
0: (laughs) get those dating skills that's so funny but i also do think though i feel like when you're young too you gotta like live life a little i feel like sometimes that happens when you're in college or you're you're really kind of like going ham on art and then you don't really get to have a life and then i can imagine like you know you you hit your like 30s or 40s and you realize like man i never was a kid my my
2: sister changed my life forever cut for that reason period because i was on deviant art all day role playing as my sonic fan character for eight hours a day and drawing my <laughs> sonic fan character right and mm-hmm. then i went on to be on world of warcraft for eight hours a day right like basically mm-hmm. like get home from school up until the sun rises type situation on both like fronts but you know the Sonic and deviant art thing was first and then it was the world of warcraft thing And just being like so passionate and into it that I had been on the internet that whole time and like my friends were hanging out and stuff and they weren't really like they were doing MySpace and stuff but like you know they weren't really like nerds like that so I ventured out into the world and I dated boys and I did drugs and my whole life Fucking roll baby Yeah I did a bunch of acid I dated boys and I was in high school And I decided I, for some reason, I wanted to be a lobbyist because I thought like a lobbyist was a different thing than it ended up, it ended up being.
1: Well, what did you think it was?
2: Okay, so I, well, I thought a lobbyist is the idealized version of what a lobbyist is, right? Like a lobbyist goes in and they argue on the behalf of, now it's just corporations, period, right? But On the behalf of an entity, or in my case, an ideal. Mm. And they are able to affect policy change that way. And it was always my dream to get into lobbying. Because I just had this weird gut feeling. (laughs) Fuck off, time to kiss boys and be dumb. (laughs) So me, that's literally me. But like, I wanted to be a lobbyist because I knew something was going on with foods. I knew foods Mm. were messed up. And Mm. so I got a I in high school I got a job at a law firm. And Wow,
0: really? That's so crazy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of like that I they had me like kind of like it was like partially down for like a high school credit thing or whatever, but like I was like basically on the same level as the secretary and more, like I was digitizing all their files and destroying all their old discoveries and shit like <laughs> oh my god bro and not even checking if i digitized them correctly oh my are god that's crazy <laughs> this law firm gave me and let me tell you listen i destroyed 15 years of this law firm's uh <laughs> history they don't know it though they still don't know it to this day
1: wait so, wait, wait like you just destroyed everything <laughs> like <laughs> so well, they i don't understand so what
2: they gave, they, oh, i destroyed basically everything. So they, did they want they, you to or did you okay, were you so, supposed to
1: only destroy like one document and you destroyed like okay. 20?
2: They had a gigantic library of gigantic Manila envelopes that are called discoveries and they have everything that's on a case including photographic evidence and sometimes physical evidence. They told me they wanted me to record pictures of, like, everything through their, the copy machine that had the scanner, like, old school, the office style. And basically what I was to do is to record every picture of every page of every discovery. And I saw some fucked up pictures, right? Like, I'm talking, like, dead bit kids and stuff. Like What? Yeah, you were yeah.
0: 16? That's crazy. So, oh. like
2: yeah 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 and like basically interviews and you know the like right for yeah, like telling a 16 30... year old
1: kid not to look at the murder pictures <laughs> is just straight up not gonna work like like yeah they could say that but i
2: wish i kept some
0: well you also don't know when you're opening the manila envelope you're you don't know what's going to be in there
2: <clears throat> they're like it's yeah. the discoveries don't look at it but pay close attention (laughs) and record both sides of every page even when the other side of the page is blank
1: just dissociate but like just kind of like stare into the distance like while you're don't like look at the details
2: you know what now i'm now i'm vocalizing this now like it just makes so much sense like why i ended up like making the kind of shit that i do but like definitely, yeah. just like looking at dead bodies and all, like people that were murdered and like child stuff that was really messed up and and like, then shredding also...
1: them
2: up. Yeah, because I yeah. was thinking like you were at a law firm that was just kind of like I don't know,
0: doing eviction cases or something so they... super mundane. But no, it was like criminal, like homicide yeah, so... and shit. <laughs>
2: So it was it was a civil it was civil law. Hmm. So or not civil law, but it's like the family stuff. But that like that extends to basically like not your beef with the federal government or the state government, but your beef with other people, other citizens. So on a huge scale, that could be like a murder or like someone doing something really terrible to someone else. Or maybe like
1: with the defendant (laughs) is that they killed my family.
2: Yes. And the lawyers I worked with were real fucking sick. Like, they helped people get custody of their kids that should Wait, sick like good? Like, Like, sick like good or sick like like bad? sick in the head. Like, bad. Like, like they helped people get custody of kids that they had no right of having custody of having kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was messed up. But, yeah, so um, I scanned all their documents and didn't properly upload it to... The systems right, followed by immediately putting every document that I scanned through a paper, paper shredder. shredder? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is
0: so cartoony. This is like such a. I feel like. And, and the
1: thing is, is, is like you didn't learn your lesson. You just kept going. <laughs> like, did you not find out I until did. the end that you like Listen, didn't put them in right? So
2: they they put the copy printer or whatever in basically a closet. And they shoved me in this closet. And, I mean, frankly, they were taking advantage of me. But that's a whole other conversation. I was not getting paid. I was in there for 12 hours a day, every day, for, like, Wait. two weeks. Oh, okay. I was like, every day? How are you going to school? Well, I mean, but, not uh, not the weekends. But, it, it, um. But yeah, yeah, but how are you going there.
1: to school when you... But what, it was
2: only two it's... weeks. So, I guess okay. it was, like, just over a, I like, forget, a... I forget. Fuck. How did that work? I think this was over the summer. It, this was over the uh, summer in between.
1: So it's hot in the closet.
2: I think it was eleven or twelve. Yes, yeah, hot in the closet. Uh, they got they got good AC too, and plus like they're all like in fad diets. So I'm eating chocolates that make you shit a lot. So I'm going to the bathroom <laughs> and taking breaks. You know what I'm saying. anyway i destroyed like their things and they didn't even know it and they loved me and like at this time i was also kind of like taking adderall a little bit too not in a legal way and i didn't even think i was being that obvious about it but one of the lawyers like took me to the side and she was like listen she's like a real bad bitch right we're talking like seven foot tall and you mean good bad or bad bad like good bad bad good you know what I'm okay, I got
1: like, you. I got you.
2: I got you. <laughs> she's like the evil version of the mayor's assistant in Powerpuff Girls, but good, but also still evil.
1: Okay, I got you. I
2: got you. But she's like, she's like, kid, I think you're on speed. And I just wanted to say, keep taking speed. <laughs> I was 16, <like>, bro.
1: <laughs> Yo, that's fucking great. That advice is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's,
2: like, she's like she's like listen kid if you keep taking speed you're gonna get places and you're gonna get
1: there that's their
0: crazy
2: and so did you <laughs> did you do
0: it is that is that how you got into
2: composite <laughs> well another thing too another thing so as i'm sitting there looking at all these dead bodies and shredding all of their evidence and not properly categorizing them and watching them do terrible things in court i'm in high school all I wanted my whole life was to make cartoons, but I kind of fell off that path, and I went down this legal path, and the reason why I went down it was because I felt something was wrong with foods. I felt like-, yeah, I, I, gonna, like I
1: like get- how you, you, you're not specific about it any time that you say it. You're like, something is wrong with foods, <laughs> and other people are like, what do you mean, Molly? And you're like, something's up. <laughs> you're like, explain. Something is not what it okay. seems about okay. foods.
2: <laughs> so i just had this feeling like in my gut that like <laughs> so, so anyway as i so basically um i'm all <laughs> i'm getting to that i'm getting to that and i'm doing all their invoicing and i don't know if you're looking at like corpses they invoicing <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done invoicing for someone, but it's basically like the most soul-crushing work you could possibly do. Like you literally look at a computer screen, you hold a piece of paper up to an Excel sheet, and then you charge people basically $600 for talking to a, law- a lawyer for five seconds. And then you go down to the next person and you just keep doing it over and over again. It's so easy to mi- lose your place. And I was just thinking about how much I wanted to do cartoons. And then I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh's college thing for shits and giggles just to like see what it would look like because i was already looking at schools to go to school for law and whatever mm-hmm. and then boom the and i was drawing character turnarounds because when i went to the art institute of pittsburgh one of the professors who would later claim that i do demon magic and uh yell at me in front of everyone which is really funny because he made the the hand and evil dead But anyway, he was the (laughs) one who convinced me to go to art school. But anyway, he was showing me character turnarounds. And as I was home in high school, I, I was drawing character turnarounds while kind of like, and as I was like in the law office, I was like really fucking just like, broken doing the invoices and just like i'm destroying their entire history and the lawyers i was working for like shout out to the island but they're like bad people (laughs) so the government (laughs) released a thing saying that if if there's less than a percent of an ingredient in a food that a retailer doesn't have to tell people that it's in there anymore which basically renders all organic food as uh not having to accurately uh, label itself as organic. So, you can, as long as, so like if I had like 500 different preservatives, some preservatives uh-huh. are totally natural and chill. Most preservatives in chill are chill, and most GMOs are chill actually as well. But <clears throat> if you do like 200 of them at le- less of a certain percent because they're all under a certain percent, you don't have to label any of them on your foods. And you still to this day don't have to. So, like, 30% of your food could be different kinds of items used as preservatives or just mysterious items. But if they're under a certain percentage, they don't have to be on the label. So, Something's uh, up with per- our food, a.k.a. So, mm. uh, so a huge percentage of our foods randomly became like basically unlabelable or like no one was held accountable for uh accurately labeling the foods that they were distributing which is kind of like the gut feeling i had and i kind of wanted to go into school for being a lobbyist because like my uh, my goal was to kind of like try to fight against something like that just so that we can be aware as citizens and consumers of what we're consuming physically because I like once we don't know what we're eating, like, you know, where is the line to that? You know what I mean? I feel like we mm-hmm. we're own we're we have that right. So anyway, we lost that right as Americans. I'm on acid. I'm destroying all of their documents. <laughs> and I said, fuck this, I'm going to art school. So <laughs> I went to the art institute of Pittsburgh.
1: Damn. Okay. So that that's how that's how you made the decision to uh to switch it up.
2: Yeah, I said, I mean, I really enjoy making cartoons and it feels like there's no hope in law uh, to to try to accomplish change that I feel like is important, you know, uh, that, which you... is the only reason why I want to get into it.
0: Side note, have you read The Poison Squad? It's kind of like chronicles all of that. It's all about like how the FDA was uh, instituted and like how they fought for um, customers, right? And stuff. It's really cool. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll send you the link after Spe- this. Speaking
1: of which, Molly and I worked on a project together, and I did the voice of this announcer, and it was for the FDA. <laughs> and that's they, so funny. They, oh they, they my called, god! They called me in to do retakes for the announcer character, who's basically doing the disclaimer of like, yeah, if you vape, it'll hurt you. Mm-hmm. But they, they apparently, in between us finishing. The commercials and the commercials supposed to be coming out there was a change in leadership at the fda and the fda is now more in the tobacco okay. lobby's pocket so uh because of this new person and so they brought me into just i had to re-record this one line and it was just <laughs> vaping repeatedly it could hurt you <laughs> like they just wanted <laughs> me to add the one word and they were reco- oh my and, and it, 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 it basically meant they had to change all of the shorts that we did to, to include that line, um, which is what delayed oh, it wow. so much. That's
2: so funny. Vaping, feeping can hurt you if you do it wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're a noob about it. <laughs> you're inhaling it to the wrong part of your lungs. If you inhale it to the, the cool part.
0: <laughs> Not no, no to joke, though, but like the reason why I've never i never want to smoke a cigar it's because if you inhale it wrong if you inhale it at all then you can puke from it and i'm very scared of puking and so i'm like i'm just never going to smoke a cigar in my life when people say
2: when people say don't inhale i don't know what that means like i don't know what that means
1: yeah i don't even even like the cigar i just like suck on the cigar because i don't i heard you're not supposed to inhale it i don't know how to not inhaling
0: I think it's like it's supposed to stay in your mouth and it's not supposed to go anywhere else in your body. Like if it goes to your lungs, that's when you you're like you just in trouble you just keep sm-
1: the smoke in your mouth, I guess, for fun. <laughs> I don't so, know.
0: This this is what we're learning on Creative Block today, y'all. You do <laughs> no, I
2: smoke c- cigars. I quit don't I vape. quit smoking cigarettes and vapes a year ago. Oh, you're all okay, vapes yeah, too. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm off all. I'm off all, all that. Except I mean, like I'll like if here's here's my philosophy if there's like a funeral i'll have a cigarette
1: sure yeah. that's my
2: philosophy moving forward but like i i have no self-control yes you already know probably and i'm the type of person where if i have something i'm just gonna like have it Overview until it. the wheels pop off yeah i always
1: say like i don't want a snack unless i can have too much yes like like Like, i don't want one like if you gave if someone gave me a chip but was was like you can't like buy a bag of the chips like i'm like i don't want one chip i don't want one chip sorry i want too much yeah Mm -hmm. molly does sound different from not smoking anymore. molly used to sound like (laughs) molly used to have a crazy smoker voice
2: oh my god are you serious no that makes me oh (laughs) (laughs) damn pranked (laughs) lie
1: (laughs) prank (laughs) get lied to no
0: that's so funny because i was as you were saying that i was like i don't think biology works that way
2: i got i got i got poopy lungs though for real i inherited poopy lungs it's a syndrome that is uh, it's not super rare, but it's kind of rare. It's called poopy lung syndrome, and um, yeah. my lungs were fine when I was born, but since smoking, they're a little bit poopy, so
1: it sounds like it was that you weren't born with them. <laughs> it's, it sounds like uh, something well, changed after you started smoking, and that well, made, it's you like the culprit.
2: Oh, yeah, no, no, the smoking was definitely the reason that I got well. Here's what I'm saying, my love like, Lynch... they
1: can't tolerate me. <laughs> polluting them
2: yes (laughs) yes well here's what i'll say here you know the number one struggle of me quitting was was me pointing to david lynch and going why can he smoke and be like 200 years old and i can't like that movie's so bad
0: just like mizaki when you watch him and he's just like always smoking and you're like how are you doing this
2: he's like i've been smoking Six times a day! But yeah, he, he does look like he's dying now. For real.
0: So you went to art school, and you knew you wanted to do cartoons. How was it like graduating and finding your first gig?
2: Okay, it was bad. I <laughs> Listen, shout out to all the professors. But you know, there was only one of them that had a job, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The Art Institute of Pittsburgh doesn't exist anymore. And... <laughs> When I graduated, I learned that it was like kind of, a, I was in a situation where they were like, your credits might be accredited. <laughs> and so basically, that Ooh. means they weren't. And that meant like, if I wanted to go to another school or whatever, like, no bueno. Wow. That's so, crazy.
0: So also,
2: yeah, they were like, <sighs> praying. sorry? So yeah, I went there for, I didn't take any summers off. I, they did it in quarters. I went to school every quarter. I didn't take any breaks, worked my ass off, blah blah blah. Um, and I did these like side gigs. Well, I was working in a restaurant to like pay rent and stuff in Pittsburgh. I love Pittsburgh. Shout out to Pittsburgh. But yeah, I was working in a restaurant, left the restaurant. I started getting gigs doing entire animated music videos for rappers whoa and I, okay rough. They're, bad. Rough. Yeah. they're bad
0: they're bad okay rough. let's I, talk it, about this a little bit because i, I do f- there's no money in that at all were you doing like pro bono or did you make like maybe like a couple dollars exposure. like
2: a hundred, like 150 dollars for a three minute animated video where of course they wanted wow. everything
1: can you drop oh. names can you drop names right now no, oh. no, no.
2: <laughs> i mean you we won. were all young I <laughs> yeah, I would. But, you know, I but the thing is I did so many of them, you know, that even though like it was the worst ever and the videos kind of turned out bad, there were like, there's parts of the videos that in retrospect are kind of charming. Are, are there like, any names one... that
1: we would recognize if you told us?
2: Um, no, I mean, one of the rappers is from Philadelphia,
1: Mm-hmm. okay,
2: which I know is your uh, one of your homies. oh, no, I
1: was just curious if it, if it was anybody that that oh, no, if you did mention them.
2: no one beg, no one beg, <laughs> and then also at that same time when I was in college, I was uh, freelancing for Adult Swim. Oh, wow, and what were you doing for Adult Swim? So I made friends with a producer there that was in charge of a bunch of shows. They were in charge of two shows for Adult Swim streams. The more well known being Fish Center Live Mm -hmm. and then the other one was Blood Feast. So those were their two streaming shows. And then they had- it was a season but it was also like a movie, it was kind of abstract on actual the block called i I'm butchering the name here and i apologize to everyone in the universe get, get again said to machu Picchu.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm.
2: so i animated the finale of that but there was like a lot of context to how that came to be so i animated the finale of that that was probably like five minutes of animation i was paid 1500 the year was 2016. 1500 for how much?
0: 26 minutes? For For like five five minutes minutes or something. Five minutes. 2600 for five minutes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like basically the college equivalent of like a junior. So like, I was like three quarters the way through college. And I was transitioning into, like, because there was a studio in Pittsburgh called Animal Media Group. And they were kind of like an ad agency, but they also worked in film and television. And I was kind of, like, doing, helping them with ads and stuff for, like, places like GNC and stuff. But then they got a couple episodes for Jim Henson Company for a show called Ghostwriter. And Mm. that's where my compositing journey started. Because I basically went into Animal and I was like, I don't have a computer. Mm, I'm sad. And the owner of Animal was like, I like you. Here's an office. And he gave me an (laughs) office with a Wacom.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Awesome.
2: How did you get in
0: touch with the Adult Swim exec and that company that you started working at? And also I was wondering... All those um music videos you were making for the rappers, uh, were they done in After Effects anime? I was just kinda wonder how you the, were animating them.
2: I wasn't really good at animating, so I was using like Adobe character animator for like the face and stuff, and I was rigging bodies in After Effects and then I was like mostly comp heavy to get the videos done. Mm. So they looked kinda bad, but you know, they're like kinda fun in like a puppet way. Yeah. I didn't know them when I know now, but I mean, like, they were pretty intense feats of stuff to get done. But like, they I got them over done. Your they head weren't the best. A little bit. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, bro. Whatever, five minutes. I got this. I got, got to this. And then <laughs> and they'd be like, "This isn't like Super Saiyan, Dragon Ball Z. I'd be like, "You pay me a hundred and fifty dollars." Like, I'm trying my best. <laughs> and, and then these rappers were very chill. They'd be like. You know what? You're right. Thanks, gang. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so funny. That's so funny. No, it's <laughs> cool to hear that you were kind of already kind of like, you were kind of getting to know these softwares as you as you were doing all these uh, odd jobs on the side, as you were still attending school.
2: Because in, did you learn any of these softwares in school, or was it so all like self-taught? The teachers were like, okay, so there were only two professors that really taught me. There were three professors, all right? So there, I had like... They were kind of like my triple goddess. Only two of them are bros. One was Angela Love. She still texts me every now and then. She's like more of like a two D cell animation type from back in the day. A little bit pretentious. She's like the <laughs> equivalent of like people who are who are really scared of her refer her to as Ursula, and <laughs> her vibe is like. I don't know. Have you ever seen a woman with a fur coat put her elbow up to her chin and go, mm. like, that's very much her vibe. And then <clears throat> she taught me about the ropes on animation, cell animation. And then Michael Schwab was another guy who taught me about cell animation. He made me do it with pencil and paper, you know, with the pegs. And then Chris Bobin, who really set my life in motion. He was from the same small town that I was from, worked at Animal and put in a good word for me so that I could get an internship there after I had already been kind of like, kind of semi-homeless there. And he helped me work there more full time. And then the third professor is, um, I guess that's it, actually.
1: (laughs) Sorry (laughs) to that
2: third person, whoever you were. It's your um, guardian angel. It's the third teacher. (laughs) My guardian angel is legit. It's been the the most important. And all of my spiritual guides. And they've all been there. And including Mac Miller. Mac Miller, I believe, also stepped into my life to help change it. Back when I was a uh, chief creative officer at a game-making company, which was after Animal. So I was at Animal, and I wanted to... I wanted to do something sexy, like character animation, right? Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't very good at it. The rapper videos were forcing me to do stuff so fast that, like, I could only kind of make bad stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But the only way I could kind of make them look good was through compositing, but I didn't know that that's what I was doing, really. Mm -hmm. And, um, so... I got really good at After Effects, but like my drawing and animation kind of was lacking really hard. But I wanted to get more in animation, and that's when Animal got the deal with um, Jim Henson Company for Ghostwriter for Apple TV to basically take like live footage of animals and take CG that we were making in house and composite the CG onto the animals, Ooh. like the live footage. Which is that very... sounds
0: like a, lo- a lot of work. It sounds really hard. <laughs> so as
2: far as compositing goes, it's probably the most like I love these drawings so much. i I love this. It's definitely like some of the hardest shit that there is in the game. Cause you're like I was using Nuke. So Nate, who was a the guy there, he was like, Do you wanna be a compositor? I was like, No, <laughs> <clears throat> And he's and like, so good. He, we'll have
1: you start next week.
2: Yes, yes. And he was kind of like, he was like, kind of like a spiritual grandfather in a sense. You know what I mean? He's like, I will. Okay, good. I'll teach you how to do it. Dude, sometimes, and-
1: sometimes that just happens. I, I, had this project. I was working on this Coca Cola commercial, and I, I was approached for it, and by this director who was like, "Hey, we really want you for this Coca Cola commercial." And I was like, "I guess I don't have work." And he was like, "Good. We're gonna have you do." After Effects <laughs> effects animation, making things look real like sparkly or like adding like ice form on stuff, and I was like, I've never done that before in my life. Why would you hire me for this at all? I'm a storyboard artist, <laughs> and they were like, Good, thanks. <laughs> Dude, like, like look at tutorials on the job. Thank you, and do this for the first time. And I, yeah, <laughs> that, sometimes so it just funny. happens, and you say yes.
2: You did. You kind of did that to me in a sense, but I'm, That's not, true. I'm not even. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even there yet. So these. So any compositor getting a gig to work with like Jim Henson Company, right, and the newest Matrix movie too, because they were working on that as well. Like any compositor would be like, oh shit. But I was like so kind of distracted t- by the fact that I was going this route I wasn't expecting to go in that I didn't appreciate it, except for mm-hmm. the fact that I worked my hardest and I wanted to make everyone there accept my work even though the kind of work i had to do was really hard like i had to do the equivalent of like skinning animals and people alive and making them flat on a screen and then (laughs) adding stuff on top of them and then making sure when it goes back on them like it doesn't look bad which is like crazy like you do you'd work on a shot for like a week basically right
0: Wow. And that's like, crazy. You, there's
2: so many things you have to be careful with. like Because the grain in the CG might not match the grain in the footage or whatever. Mm. Or the lighting and the grating and the blah blah blah. You were basically doing animal yeah. deepfakes I was doing deep fakes before deep fakes.
1: yeah <laughs> those animals would be pissed
2: these guys uh that i worked with at animal they they invented the taco bell dog and they were the first ones to do mocap uh-huh. with like animals oh, in that wow. way so they what? were kind of like the talking animal people before deepfake i imagine the deepfake thing has hardcore drastically affected their studio did
1: you make animals talk
2: yeah I made oh my uh, Tiffany Haddish. I did <laughs> Tiffany Haddish as a cat. I did What's-His-Name as a pug. There were a couple Aww. other comedians.
1: It's funny how that was like, there was a period of time where everything had like an animal with like CG talking. Yeah. And, then it's, and then I feel like it sort of stopped. But for a while, everyone was like, we gotta have this dog, cats versus dogs. We gotta have like, you know, animals talking and like we have this technology now that's cool that you contributed to that
2: yeah that was uh yeah that was the animal they they started that so that was kind of their bread and butter and as you know uh you know they had to, the I mean there's so many stories with that studio as to why they had to size down and I have my own personal opinions too but you know with deep and stuff and whatever and also just like talking animals like it's kind of like a gimmick too they were good at other stuff too but the talking animal stuff started to wax out. So I got to work on Ghost Rider for Jim Henson Company. And I pussed around a little bit on the um, New Matrix movie. Only for a little bit. Just in the background. Like with aging and de-aging. Oh, wow. Whoa. That's crazy. And um, and I, I love him so much. But basically, I'm not going to get into it too much. But the owner of that place said that they were gonna have a full-time job for me in like a month and then they continued to say that for like eight months
0: ah man it's it it is how it would be mm-hmm. yeah and
2: one time I asked him about it and he was like what are you talking about
1: what gas lighting <laughs> yeah oh my god they had
2: free lunches and free alcohol though so that was good I was like, no. well, I'm taking a bottle of bullet home, and uh, you can keep my Ruth Gator, Vader Ginsburg doll, and I'm not coming back. Bye. I didn't say Do you feel that,
0: like, uh... <laughs> Do you feel like you learn most of your skills at that studio? or um... Absolutely.
2: Like, Nate Inglesby is the compositor that he he was like my compositor dad you know like mm. he i i thought i thought that i didn't even know what a compositor was it sounded so unsexy to me you know what i mean because it's not like mm-hmm. drawing characters or like being a showrunner you know like sexy mm-hmm. stuff like inventing this, pokemon this is the
1: sexiest that that animators have ever been painted is by how you describe them right now Like, there's animators right now that are are like, yeah, what I do is sexy! Yeah!
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's how a a professor of mine used to differ. Like, she used to categorize jobs by, like, sexy jobs and actual (laughs) jobs. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's like, there are jobs that are sexy, and you think that they're because you think that they're cool, and that's like what you tell yourself you want to be when you grow up. And then Mm -hmm. there's like, attainable jobs that you can actually get and um it's just like kind of like assessing like understanding that it's like a pipeline and that like everyone is like part of a team or like you're not like a superstar like get over yourself or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah i was kind of like disappointed and then i got really into it and i was trying well I i was like if i do my best they're going to hire me full time. I'm going to work really hard. And they didn't. But no, they kept telling me they would, though. And that was enough blood for me, you know. That was enough. Mm. That's all I needed was to be told that, you know, there would be more or whatever. Yeah. But It's
1: a thought that counts for
2: them. <laughs> from at that time, where I literally was shoplifting tuna cans from the grocery store to eat, yes, it was enough. And also, like stealing their alcohol was pretty cool. Wait,
1: canned um, tuna cans or human canned tuna
2: cans? Fish. Yeah, the, for, for people. I feel for like people. I feel like at more, the grocery people.
1: store. No, uh, people. No, I mean people used you to. steal one of those? Shop, t- people used to shoplift tuna cans from the pet smart that I worked at to eat. I
2: think. Oh I had, really? Hmm. I had like probably ten dollars in my account at all times because all my money went towards rent. Steal mm-hmm. a can of tuna. I'd steal some ramen. And I would prepare the tuna to go on top of the ramen, and it was lit, and I loved it. Also, love some my double things.
1: My question for you was that if you were stealing, why not steal something more luxurious? If you're stealing anyway.
2: Because I grew up, I so I grew up in like World War II territory.
1: Poland. It was a
2: uh, World War II lands. So, <laughs> so in World War II lands, everything you eat. is prepared for you and i gotta start speaking a little bit quieter because i don't want to offend because i'm visiting my mom but like everything comes out of a box or a can basically and um the tuna is a prized possession that is believed to have mystical properties that could Mm. heal you of any ailments and make you grow crazy ass muscles and make you immune to cancer
1: that's how hot sauce was in my grandma's house, but I found out that it was just being used yes! as a remedy for my grandma's hangovers because she was an alcoholic.
2: Okay, <laughs> and then I also <laughs> that's,
1: that's why. That's why she was drinking it all the time, not because it cures everything.
2: Oh my god! So I, I also, when I was very broke, I started incorporating hot sauce and wasabi for Because uh, uh, if it hurts, it's good for you. And I was raised Catholic, so like that's like the same thing
1: punishment for your sins
2: <laughs> it's like i was like this is really this sucks and so i'm probably gonna get like superpowers right
1: i deserve this yeah yeah yeah. this That's is so it, funny it's you just suffering on the the hot sauce cross
2: yes i do like hot sauce now though i mean like i know my limits i'm not gonna try to be who i used to be which is like i'd eat a ghost pepper and be like i'm fine and then cry Dude, but, I think
0: the one time that I had a... Uh, so, Guisados, they do, like, a habanero taco that's just, like, full-on, just all habanero sauce. And I would, and they're, like, super spicy, like, mm, like be, like you know, caution or whatever. And I was like, oh, I love spicy stuff. And I ate it. And I think it destroyed my body. And I can't have spicy
2: food anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, that's a thing. That's a
0: thing. You I have think to be it, careful. It was it was so spicy like I felt the whole the, the full way of the taco in and out and oh and I was in God. pain the whole time I was like should I go to the hospital and I was like no I just gotta like and I think now my body's just like you can't have sp- spicy food anymore it's yeah so it, it's yeah,
1: like I, a, how you know how you, you know how you can blow out your eardrum it's like you blew out your tongue drum dude
0: <laughs> I, think I, I think i i blew i think i must have killed all of the bacteria in my gut i think that's yeah. what happened and then oh my like, god Trace i tried to do that with sour
1: warheads when i was a kid i would oh just my eat god. i would just eat sour warheads and obliterate my tongue and my tongue would like hurt and i'd be like I never understood now i that. can eat anything because i don't have any <laughs> taste buds anymore
2: when I had fully gone crazy, and this was this was past Animal, and I was working as a not immediately a, a chief creative officer, but I would later become a chief creative officer of a really shady robotics company in Pittsburgh. I didn't know at the time, but
1: what these robots were doing? What kind of robots? <laughs> Fighting? Girls. Underground fighting.
2: Underground And by the way, oh, and I had worked with Meat Canyon a little bit at this point before this oh, happened. Oh, hell yeah. And so, how did you, how did he reach out? How did you guys uh, so pair up? I was collaborating with a friend of mine who does really cool illustrations, and I was coloring his illustrations for funsies. Mm-hmm. And we decided to make like hoodies out of the illustrations. Spit Blossoms, he's amazing, great artist, fantastic. He's done really well for himself since then. Like Sometimes I just like open up Pinterest randomly and his art gets served to me, which I oh, love wow. that for him. But back in the day, I was painting some of his art and Hunter wanted to buy some of the hoodies and he like shared it on his story or whatever. And I was like, hey, dude, thanks. And this was also just so happened to be like one of the worst nights of my life because I was going through some really terrible personal stuff. I was like, thanks for buying his hoodie. And I hadn't seen his YouTube videos or anything, but he only had 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. He was like, blah, blah, blah. And then we talked, and then we talked about what we do, and then we networked a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then the conversation started getting, like, deeper. And I, I was telling him what I was doing, what I did at Animal with what compositing is. And he said he had heard of compositing before in animation, but he had never use compositing and that he had a video coming up that he wanted to work on that would be the first video that he does music for as well so it'd be kind Mm -hmm. of fun to combo pack music and compositing as a Mm -hmm. just a like experiment and that's what uh that was the over the golden arches video that he did which was like his mcdonald's video which was kind is kind of like iconic amongst his fan base that was like a that was kind of like a symbol of him going into like compositing and music at the same time for the first time so
1: wow nice
0: that is so cool,
2: but, is so, cool. So, so he and i were doing videos together but they weren't regular and they were you know paying a lot and they were more like experimenting and we were just sort of like finding our footing and
1: stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah
2: like we were doing videos together we would hang out we'd stay on call for very for like longer periods of time and like experiment with lighting and see like what we liked and what we didn't like and what we were capable of doing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's cool so we took some time to kind and that eventually turned into like him giving me files and being like maybe send me a screenshot for this and that shot but like you know be bussin', like, do, you do best, yeah, be best. <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, I was still doing videos for him. I got a job at a really shady robotics company slash kids game making company. You said mm-hmm. you're chief exec, uh, creative chief robot. Okay, so they hired me on as an animator, and I was mm. animating the the boss's moves and stuff because it was like a two D game. Mm. And I came in there, and they had been working on this game for, like, three years, and they had only gotten one out of 30 levels done. Ooh. And after spending time with Meat Canyon, and after spending time with Animal, I was like, what the fuck? And I just sort of took over, and I got the game done in, like, three months. What? That's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, what are you... Do-? I, still, I still, at this point, I still had the gung-ho, like, if I work really hard corporate might really love me so i still kind of had that vibe a little bit like animal mm-hmm. hadn't put uh, strangled it out of me yet so i got that game done blah 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 anyway that company i did sign an nda but like basically they like at one point they made a deal with justin roiland to make the butter bot and i was like don't do that that's dumb don't be dumb And they were like, actually, he's super popular, so, like, you're the dumb one. And, like, (laughs) Justin Roiland never owned the rights to Butterbot, but they took pre-orders on the Butterbot robot that they decided to make. And they made, like, millions off of it. And there were just, like, hundreds of thousands of people that bought the Butterbot. Not hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands. And they're just probably... I'm not going to say they're never going to get their bot, because I don't want to, like maybe get sued by him but what i legally can say is he doesn't own the rights to the butterbot and neither does justin Roiland. so that's um. crazy what's the what's the what's the butterbot that's so insane the butterbot is just this really dumb idea from rick and morty that people with and you know i don't i'm not gonna be judgmental i'm not gonna be judgmental but it's it's this character from rick and morty it's a robot it it passes you the butter and then, if you think if you smoke enough weed, there's you, the butterbot is like deep because it has an existential crisis, and mm. so they were making their own butterbot like replacement for that. Not replacement. What's it called? It's like a like a copy. Like a, they were making their own butterbot, and they released the video- of leg, kind
1: of. right. a video,
2: like right. And it was gonna yeah. like it was gonna pass you the butter legit, but then also have existential crisis. And they did a video with Justin Roiland announcing that they were going to, like, release it and whatever. And I was like, don't work with this guy. Don't. Please. I beg you. And the chief Cause engineer you, was cause like. Because you had
1: been hearing stuff before. Oh. Yeah, like, like whispers.
2: I've known about Justin Roiland being fucked up for, <clears throat> before college. My sister is a reporter. She kind of, oh. like. People were posting about Justin being fucked up on uh, 4chan and Twitter and the like, and Tumblr as well. And anytime they would post about it, they would basically get sued out of existence. Whoa! What year was this? Approximately? Oh, this was, uh, uh, I don't know, approximately when the posting initially began. I know the posting was Tumblr and Facebook screenshots. But also, maybe like around
0: tw- tw- 2010. It was kind of like 2010. So the, they mm. were
2: happening during season one, season two of Rick and Morty. Okay. Okay,
0: but, okay, okay.
2: The, but the posts were happening perhaps three years after that. And mm. so it wasn't until 2015 that I was hearing about these things. And then, to, okay. oh, well, I never really cared about Rick and Morty. I mean, shout out to the island if you like Rick and Morty, but me personally, it's just never really been for me. Because I guess I have taste or whatever. But So I never paid attention to Rick and Morty news, but I paid attention to news of people who were like coming forward about their work experiences within Adult Swim, because I had been working with Adult Swim at that point. And Adult Swim had a really big problem that was really bad. Oh, like... I went to Atlanta myself personally, and I saw that shit up close and personal. And there was a problem. They cleaned it up though. Like ever mm. since, um, uh, what what's his name? My brain refuses to remember it. He's the creator of Adult Swim. uh Lazo. Lazo. Lazlo. Is it? Uh, it's, he. Yeah. R- R- yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say R. P. He was really into an interesting work culture that was really messed up. But anyway, they cleaned yeah. all that he up. He didn't so,
1: think women were very funny. And that was a public oh, thing, right? Is thats that, is that and, and, are you talking about something was, else?
2: And that was a public thing that happened with my sister. He fought with my sister about that. Um, be, because my sister was the one who wrote the article that was like 47 out of 47. Oh, well, so, okay. So my sister reached out. I'm working for Adult Swim, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm in college, and my sister's like, is anyone treating you weird? And at this point, I don't understand what misogyny is. I don't understand like what any of that is. All mm-hmm. I know is I have to work really hard to be in the industry by any means necessary. And I was feeling uncomfortable with her questioning, because I definitely for sure had answers to her questions that were fucked up. <laughs> like, like like
1: like that you were a little embarrassed of yourself to have like taken work under certain circumstances like that kind of yeah stuff. like
2: i like like this guy tricked me into going to atlanta like it was like a whole thing but basically yeah. he, he hasn't worked there anymore they cleaned up they cleaned up Sure. so mm. Lazo, basically he i mean i think the rumor is that Lazo got cancer and that's why he disappeared but basically my sister was like can, do you have any girl idols that you look up to at Adult Swim? And I was like, I actually can't name any. So she did a deep dive, and she figured out that 47 out of 47 show creators ever to exist at Adult Swim were men. Mm. And even to this day, even though Lisa Hanawalt kind of claims being the first female show creator, um, mm-hmm. they only picked up her show after it had already been developed at Netflix. So... Yeah. So, to this day, Adult Swim still has not taken a chance on a female show creator to this day. They've never yeah. invested in a female show creator like from the get go to create I something have, new.
0: I heard through the grapevine that um channels like Adult Swim and comedy central because the demographic the audience is mainly boys age like seventeen to twenty five it's, like, heavily, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'll I, i I'll venture out to say something like 80% is probably, like, that demographic.
1: And they're not looking to really expand their, they're, 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 like, that's a yeah. risk to expand their audience, basically. For
0: so for them, or it's kind of
2: like, yeah, unfortunately. I get that, but, it, like, women yeah, show a, up. Like the no, way no, women I mean, care not, about, women. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I'm just saying. I know you guys know, but like, yeah, women show up even for the the male written, male led misogynistic shows like Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. They show up to them for some reason. I don't know, but they do show up to them. Well, yeah, I mean, and Laza, they support them.
1: Lazo was quoted as saying, "Women don't work it well in the writing room because they don't like conflict, and writing is about conflict or something like that." Huh. Which which is fucking crazy.
2: <laughs> That's a fucking crazy quote. <laughs> so that was a quote to my sister because he was res- he was responding to her article, basically saying mm. like they uh, and also the second part of that quote, which is less paid attention to, is that he also can't have female characters because he's scared that his audience might see the character being a female as part of the joke, like them huh. being a girl as part of like a gag.
0: Huh? Kind of like how Adventure Brothers, like uh, the Monarch's wife is the joke is that you don't really know because of her voice or something, right? Uh, hmm. So I guess
2: I guess this uh producer, he was kind of creepy towards me. Shout out to the island, but he, I think it was kind of like a circle of life thing. Like he told Lazo that he was gonna hire me to like animate part of the end of his uh show which I've never watched in its entirety to this day but I'm sure I will eventually get around to it just for like spiritual purposes or whatever right Mm -hmm. so yeah I uh animated the end of his show haven't watched it and um Lazo and all those people got removed from Adult Swim and they cleaned up all the weird locker boy stuff locker boy room locker boy uh, uh, like
1: locker it. boy, <laughs> locker boy. Yeah, yeah. I That's got so
2: crazy. That's it so... sounds like it sounds like they definitely improved big time, uh, over there, I and everyone so. that They're... works there is like really just got their shit together or whatever. Hmm.
1: I'm 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 hoping. I think that they 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 had made some efforts to like okay, like let's have, let's try to get women to pitch, and I, I think initially the bone that they threw at women was like. Like, hey, like you could pitch us like 15 second bumpers or something like that. And like they were like trying to do that as a way to to reach out. I don't know if that necessarily is an effective enough like compensation, but I, I don't know what the current state of it all is. But I, I do know female creators that are, are at the very least uh, working with their sh- smalls program, V uh, include
0: Yeah, but when Sam and I pitched together to smalls, it was part of our i i did tell sam we have to make this funny we have to make sure that we keep the boys in mind like we can't do
2: jokes. alienate
0: yes we can't make this just for women i we have to make sure and i was also thinking like let's put in some like sex drugs and rock and roll just because it's kind of like the brand and and it's funny too but um I was. We were really trying to find the angle. Like, even though we have like a like main characters who are female, like we were really trying hard to. We'll see if we succeed. (laughs) I think we did, but we'll see when it releases if boys jive with it. But yeah, it was definitely part of our thinking. We're like, we can't make this. Uh, like we have to keep the demo in mind. Boys, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because originally we were like very like. our idea was like very reactionary where we were like so upset with all the massage and you were like, we're just going to do a gender swap thing. And then we're like, "Mm, it's not working. (laughs) But, but we had fun, but then we were like, all right, we gotta, I gotta like, (laughs) tame it a little bit. We gotta like reel it back a little bit. For the boys yeah. yeah no it's it's been it's been fun though like i think i think right now yeah working with adult swim is i mean at least i think the smallest department is different from the the full-on adult swim i think it's like two different
1: mm-hmm.
0: little pockets in, yeah. within the studio but then again it's kind of like this weird time right now where like everything's on such shaky grounds that we're like
1: it still uh-huh.
2: exists right now well
1: we were talking about how like <laughs> yeah like We love and hate the chaos. Like it's like. I
2: love it though.
1: It's a good and a bad thing. But the thing Uh is, like, like I also that's how Lasso got out. The the networks are a little bit scared too, and we're scared. And and I think that, like, I would rather everything be chaotic than just be getting like fucked in (laughs) pooperture with you. Like my and have them feel super safe. You know. (laughs) yeah Shout out to chaos if you're listening, chaos.
2: I love chaos so much. I, I've become... I've Death and chaos are the two things I've come to really appreciate and look at as teachers throughout this entire journey. Like, that, no one wants to buy any... It, it, it used to be that if you had, like, a big name and you had, like, someone who was, well... They had, like, good credentials or whatever that, like, you could have a higher chance pitching a show. You could have all those things and more and, like, still not have a pitch work well in your favor. But also I I have you seen this Slaughterhouse movie? No. When did that come out? Dude, I looked up Slaughterhouse. I can you please tell me if the guy who made this movie is the president's child or something? Because like no offense to the people that made Slaughterhouse but like I have questions like why did this movie get made? I understand that there's killer Wait, animal like movies.
1: That, okay, it's like a yeah, sloth like the that animal kills
2: I don't, know, I don't know how this movie got made. I don't know who had the credentials to convince who for the funds for it. I don't know who decided that it would be a good idea to distribute it. I don't know which distributor decided it would be a good idea to have it be playing. I tr- I couldn't is this a Jim Henson this- movie? <laughs> this is, this- I'm looking at the trailer. <laughs> that looks crazy. And it no, like it's puppets,
1: not- uh, like a puppet sloth that's like silly, like killing...
2: I really don't mean to I really. I listen I'm not shitting on that movie I'm just saying that it's the worst movie I've ever seen and I had to like <laughs> force myself to watch it because I was trying to understand why this movie was chosen to get made and I looked into all the people who made the movie and they had no notable credential that could lead him, them into this position and something was really inspiring to me in that moment because in that moment I was like they were given the money to make Slaughterhouse. I mean like someone's daddy probably had the house for the set or whatever, but like if they can make Slaughterhouse, I mean they I they probably had different things that helped them make Slaughterhouse, but it's like it, it, you could have Tiffany Haddish and you could have Ricky Gervais and you could have Justin Roiland and you could have uh Tyler the Creator and you could still not get a show. But you know what Slaughterhouse <laughs> got made. <laughs>
0: This is so crazy, and I agree. I, I love, I love to think about things like that uh, because I feel like you have to look at these outliers, and you kind of have to psych yourself up as. Like you could be the next outlier that gets a sur- uh, success. A success.
1: You could be the a next slaughterhouse. House. Yeah. <laughs> for good or for, for you know, for good or for bad.
0: <laughs> well, they tried to come up with the dumbest idea. Well, I'm like like, looking like at someone on the Wikipedia page.
2: Someone could look at me and against all odds and all like material data provided by an AI go, you know what? I'm gonna let this kid rock out. With, and see what they can do, you know what i mean? Like i'm still like open to that to that wish or whatever, but i for sure have given up on it.
1: You are somebody that is so enmeshed within the um like the youtube animation sphere like like it, you talk to different youtubers and and work with different people uh including like you you had a a past of working on on, on it was it hell of a boss. Mhm. Um, I, I'm just curious about like like without you don't need to go into any specifics about any one of them in particular but I just want to know how you're feeling about YouTube animation indie animation like how you feel about that community like if you have any like positive experiences or negative experiences that you want to talk about just you know it, you know uh, uh, about it in general
2: I know that like not everyone is necessarily like like a political person or like caring about like the economics of things or even like the like social climate of because this is an emerging industry this is Mm -hmm. a new industry it is it is an arm of the animation industry but it is its own thing and because of that it doesn't have the same regulations that the industry has it doesn't have the unions that the industry Mm -hmm. has it doesn't have But also at the same time it's unprecedented territory like there's kind of like a peace and love and understanding that like we don't all know where we're going right now right Mm -hmm. and there is a question of like how much of the depending on the size of the channel it's there is a question of how much are how much do you want to contribute to the situation in relate and then like there's almost like a math equation right It's like my effort into this YouTube channel equals how much I am paid divided by how much my expenses are, parentheses both of those, times what I think this channel will become to the do I trust that the creator of this channel will take me with them and like make sure that I am... uh, appropriately uh compensated over time power so like there are like so there's like so much faith that you have to go on YouTube that math. YouTube it's math. youtube math it, there's so <laughs> much faith uh, that you have might to
1: go be to... The, the title of this video
2: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> a youtube and, math yes. with uh, molly
0: that's the shirt right here
2: and people and oh. uh, well, uh, not to get too saucy, but uh, just to spill some hot sauce for you, I think that people in the industry are they 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 do care about people's best interests and they do want people to get paid properly. But I do think that they are a little bit salty that they don't have jobs and that they're seeing other people have jobs and they're. Mm tearing people down because they're not making a lot of money and they're being like well it's like you don't even have a job because you're not even making real money because you're being taken advantage of unlike oh, me who's on yeah. worker yeah it's like it it's like i get it on one hand it's like we should be fighting for people being paid properly and in the youtube sphere it's especially more wild west why would you say it's more wild west with everything that we've learned with the actual industry? but it's kind of it's wild all, west it's
1: all wild west it's, it's like west world inside of a wild yeah. west uh yeah reality. <laughs>
2: Because in the industry, you have things like you have things like unions or and and such. But at the end of the day, all you have is like a collection of decisions that people make, right? That result yep. in like people's jobs and like if that's efficient and if it's not efficient, do people get cut? And even if it is efficient or isn't efficient, do people get cut because of this or that? Are people experimenting in this way? Is management well, proper?
1: I-, I feel like there's a lot of situations where you have. YouTube creators, where they become business owners and they become bosses, but they've never had any HR training, they've never had leadership right. training, they've never had training sensitivity training. They, mm-hmm. they like, it's uh, essentially like it, it would be a legal landmine if there was any laws up about it to begin with, almost. Right. And and so it's this situation where you have all these people that because because. There are these individual entities and companies that aren't connected and there's not a whole lot holding them to any particular thing or teaching them about any particular thing. Exactly. It's basically like you're on your own with how much you want to hold your own feet to the fire about how responsible you want to be.
2: And you should be held accountable for your choices and who you are, but at the same time, you should not be viewed as the same as a a multi- billion dollar like corporation that has the resources to have like mm-hmm. these appropriate channels so in the industry world i've had a really good experience of like a full spectrum of like literally heaven and like nightmare zone like my yeah. experience at Mouse was just like literally heaven and then oh. my experience oh i, I love you babe And my experience, my experience experience at Animal was kind of nightmare zone, but it helped me like pay the bills. And then in my Mm -hmm. experience at a game making company and at Adult Swim, it's like, yeah, I made uh, like the game making company. Yeah, it was making six figures, but it was like. I was getting, like, sexually harassed and, like, mm. b- forced to sell things on lies and, like, and everything I did didn't matter because at the end of the day, their whole thing was scamming people. I don't know if I said the name of that company. If not, if I did say the name of a previous company, I'm not talking about them. Um uh, and then of course Adult Swim where you know the dude was kind of creepy and whatever and but I still got to like work on it but like you know I got creeped on so I got to see a full spectrum of like literally the best of what the industry can be what the industry is kind of like for like most people and, and then like the, the best, worst the
1: best and worst of like YouTube stuff too
2: mm-hmm. and I've also seen the best and the worst of what YouTube can be. So, like, when me Canyon and I first started working together, he only had 20, 30k subs. So, basically, I was getting paid only, like, $200 a video or whatever. But I was cool with that. I wasn't even expecting to get paid. I was trying to experiment to see if we could create a product that could, like... Because I, I knew he was making money, but I knew he wasn't making, like, money money, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he has so diligently, every time the channel evolves to like the next level or whatever and by the way we've gotten to the point where we're kind of like I've made so many videos with him that like I kind of can I can kind of like foresee what he's gonna want with something so he he just gives me a shit ton of files I'll manage stuff with animators and background artists as stuff is getting turned in at the end, and I'll like make sure it's composited. So there's a little bit of production that's happening there too, as well, with like making sure files get done, reaching out uh-huh. to animators, making sure things need to get updated, asking background artists if they updated a certain thing to be a certain way to match a note, blah, 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 blah. And then compositing. Uh-huh. He, over time, every time the channel hits a new echelon, he pays me more. Every time nice. I'm stressed out, I can speak to him freely, and he listens to me and hears me out without judgment and without penalty. He has always asked me if I need if I need help. I've brought in several compositors. I'm more of a lead there now, not just like the sole compositor, which has been kind of weird for me, but like I've been growing a compositing team there now that I'm in charge of, and he's always asking me if I need help super communicative really nice whenever there's a situation that might be hr related in a way that i might like know stuff about he reaches out to me he asks me what i think about stuff he values my opinions on how things are ran and i helped build that pipeline and that's um, really cool so i helped build that pipeline with him and on top of that he's just like he's just like really respectful to me as a person which is just really incredible and the thing is like even if things even if shit hits the fan which it always does with like youtube stuff on a time schedule like that which i know he's backing off of he's always been just like so supportive and just like you know like there and like it's always just been really great and
1: mm-hmm.
2: my experience at Hell of a Boss did not have a lot of those experiences. I can't go into too much detail sure, about so Hell of a right. Boss, but what I will say about Hell of a Boss is so the leads at Hell of a Boss knew about me Canyon, and they mm. knew he was lit as hell, and they knew I was the only compositor on Meat Canyon. So they hired me because uh, it's like a similar space. So like, you know, they know Mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah, it's
1: like one plus one equals lit.
2: Yeah, it was like (laughs) one plus one equals lit. Just like that. So like we buddy-buddied, we became friends really fast. I got into the inner demon ring really fast. (laughs) And and when I say that, I know it's like, it's a demon show. But when I say demon ring, I mean like, the situation over there is that it is not healthy, um, um, with the yeah. way that the artists are treating one another, the way the leads get treated, the way the leads treat each other. It's just to give you an idea. With Meat Canyon, I'll get two hundred and ten shots. It I'll get around one hundred to two hundred shots, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I have
2: three days to composite them. Ooh. And I get it done. And I feel, I mean, yeah, of course it's rough, but I get paid good. Mm -hmm. The notes are reasonable. They're not crazy. There's a collaborative, good management effort there. Part of that is me being in constant contact with animators and background artists and making sure things get done right. And of course, Meet Canyon himself and the editor. But then also part of that is just like the way the ship is ran, you know? But Mm -hmm. to give you an idea with Hell of a Boss, that same amount of shots, but it takes three months. You get three months to do them, and there's 30 compositors, and they still have issues. And they still have issues. Like, you know, like uh, this or that. I don't know if I can go into detail because of my NDA, but the point here is... That the people at Spindle Horse are, like, not being managed by people who are able to manage things from, like, a bird's eye perspective. Because everything is, like, it's, like, eh, eh, even though it's indie, it's, like, cut off into sections really hardcore, almost like Disney or something. Like, no one's Hmm. communicating with one another. And on top of that, it's, like like uh, like uh, Sean said with the HR stuff, the personal aspect of it, there are just people in management saying things that no person in any work environment should be saying to anyone, let alone mm. in front of everyone publicly in like a messaging space is my personal opinion.
1: Yeah, mm,
0: yeah so it's like a little bit of like the professionalism feels stronger with Meat Canyon, there's a little bit of, like, more...
2: Absol- it's all professionalism. Cats. Yeah.
0: At so, Meat Canyon,
2: it's all professionalism. At Spindle Horse, it's like, you're going into there knowing that someone is going to say something appro- inappropriate to you at some point. And
1: hmm. Do you feel like you've taken the bad and the good of both of the experiences of both indie and kind of, like, studio animation... And are able to channel that in a, uh, a learned way as you make your personal films with uh, a team of people, which is something you also do.
2: Not yeah. only that, not only that, but also the kind of like flop era slash queendom of compositing and not knowing that that was gonna be one of the best things to ever happen to me. Because the cool thing about compositing is that. It, depending how many shots you get or how involved you are in the project and if you're the editor as well like i have been in on a several projects everything is funneling through you so mm-hmm. you get to watch you get to watch hundreds of artists do things that are incredible and defy all odds and also, and also make incorrect. all of the makes and make all the mistakes and then yeah, at the end yeah. of the day at the end of the day, before it goes to the final person for approval, I have to be the one to make sure that everything's okay before it gets to that person. So it's sometimes I have to go off on a leg and preemptively make sure that you know things are done right before it gets to that final person because I know I'm gonna have to go and recomp something anyway. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm.
2: that that watching animators make a million smart decisions and and like basically cheat out of a difficult problem in a really smart cunning way and make all of the mistakes has made me just prepared me incredibly for directing writing editing Mm. compositing animating everything and so it has made making my own shorts not easy, cause making like a whole, making an anime thing is never easy. But like, it's made it kind of like more simple, and it's just a matter of how regimented do I want to be versus how spontaneous do I want to be, you know?
1: Mm. Hey, can you talk a little bit about your personal thoughts? Which one? Oh, um, I. Uh... Well, your short, your shorts. So I, I, maybe like starting with those, and if there's so... things that you're currently working on or.
0: But also, like, I just kind of want to know, like, your process, because I feel like Deep State is a little bit more stream of consciousness, and Cucumber and Mr. Hats feels like this one is a little bit more scripted. Like, would you say that's right? Or would you say, like, Okay, how
2: so, you- so, d- d- the way they were physically made, both of them, the way they were physically made was pretty regimented, but the oh, way... But the way Deep States was written was stream of consciousness more so, even though I knew roughly what I wanted it to be. And I kind of let the storyboard artist do a little Dougie on the script as well. So for mm-hmm. the Deep States thing, I had that written out. And I did uh, an <laughs> animatic, which which was basically like thumbnail stick figure drawings. And I broke Mm -hmm. it up into sections, and I gave it to my homies, and I said, do the Dougie on your section. And they both turned in stuff. Some of them kind of just followed the thumbnail to the best of their ability. Some people did some weird stuff, and they were like, I'm so sorry if you didn't like this, and if this was weird. And I was like, no, I love it. Thank you for putting yourself in it. I love you. (laughs) And um. Cucumber was a little bit more A to B in how it was written, because that was a collaboration with my best friend, Nicholas Bruno, who is actually, I met him because of uh, Sean's wife, Denise, uh, introduced oh. me to him, and then he ended up being like my best friend, and we talk every day, so he's a photographer that focuses on sleep paralysis heart. Oh,
0: very cool.
2: He's like the sleep paralysis guy. He did a sleep paralysis tarot deck. We're besties. We talk every day, so we kind of came together. And he wanted me to do designs for a plushie because we're working on some like sleep paralysis plushies. (gasps) Because we thought that'd be cute. But like that turned it. Once I was working on the plushies, I took these two dolls that I designed, which was Cucumber and Mister Hats cucumber was a dreamer and mr hats was like the sleep process demon and i was like this is a show and this is a show period and he's like you're right so he he's kind of a little bit more um grounded in his storytelling so he and i kind of butt heads a couple times because like i wanted to be more weird and he's like and but he's like almost he's almost too grounded like he's like he's like uh sopranos but more heroes journey level grounded so Mm -hmm. like we came together and then the balance ended up being cucumber which is a little bit more uh it makes a little bit more sense i guess to watch but the way that they were made was the same was taking the script making a storyboard thumbnail really trashy and then fleshing that out either after doing like character designs or whatever. Doing the storyboard a little bit more fleshed out, breaking up the storyboard into shots, animating those, doing the backgrounds, compositing them together, blah 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 blah. Sound boom. But yeah, that's really cool. How how so? Because you have like a full little team. Are they all
0: people that you've met throughout your previous like endeavors? How do you reach out to somebody to help out on a project? Because I want to ask that because I feel like when I started on uh, the Adult Swim shorts. Uh, My partner, Sam, and I, we were just kind of like, we were like, how do we ask for help? We were like so scared. And because it's like, oh, we can't pay really good. So there's a little bit of guilt that comes with asking somebody to help. But then eventually it turns out people are excited to help if they like you, I guess. How do you approach that problem of like asking somebody to help you on your project, I guess?
2: So I had a really cool (laughs) team of 50 people or so that I grew on discord on my on my uh, personal server so before cucumber and mr hats or deep states i was starting to get some real clients that could like not pay great but like pay enough and the work was intense enough that i decided to like i didn't want to actually work on the videos alone because it was just like too much for me that i started Mm -hmm. hiring people and then just trying to Work, do a really good job learning how to manage them mm-hmm. So I managed about two hours worth of content A quarter of that being like a single thing It was like short, a series of short films for one thing And then like commercials and other stuff for other things But where I would basically real quick like do direction for backgrounds And storyboards with like really rough sketches and create animatics and edit animatics and then use that to direct other people to do stuff and then just be extremely transparent with them about like what I could pay them which was not a lot just letting them know what the situation was and asking them if they wanted money because I like didn't want to take on the job alone and then Mm -hmm. we just sort of like became a team and basically they were like One of the people was someone I went to school with. Some people were people from Meat Canyon. Some people were people I met through Sean, actually, through his one Discord server. And uh, there were some other stray dogs that barked from other places. But (laughs) the team just... uh, I've always kind of been the kind of person to almost a fault where I just like have no problem like talking to people Mm -hmm. I mean I still feel nervous I'm still like incredibly socially awkward and shit but like you know going out to people and be like in today's climate with Twitter and stuff it's becoming harder to do this because it's like if you're not giving someone like a really well-paying job you're like seen as a predator but the thing is like I wasn't making money off of any of those projects I was mm-hmm. basically using those projects to give all of my friends whatever money I could get from clients and to basically practice managing mm-hmm. and then i used I used whatever money I made on the side while uh giving all my friends the work and managing them from other jobs I was doing that was unrelated and I saved up like or whatever and I said fuck it and I spent it all that was all the $5,000 I had in my entire bank account on cartoons that I wanted to make for myself and yeah I mean I did that knowing I wouldn't make anything in return but it was more just like I wanted to see everything that I'd learned up to that point but what if it was like my vision like what if it was my idea you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. it was just so fun And so awesome. And, you know, everyone got, uh, including me, we all got up on that pole and danced. And we were a family and it was just really fun.
0: That's so cool that, and that you had like these two different approaches for the writing and like, yeah, like, I think that goes to show that if you're upfront about what the limitations are, then it gives people the um, space to, and make an educated decision whether or not they can join the project for sure. That's really cool.
2: So Cucumber, I did not I, I uh deep states I had people help me animate and do backgrounds on. Mm-hmm. On Cucumber, I moved to Minnesota cuz I met a man that I I love very much and I wanted to be with him and he was kind of like chained to a ice cream shop that he opened and ran there. A vegan mm-hmm. ice cream shop. He's also a comic artist and animator.
1: You fell for, um, for the ice cream, man.
2: You fell for the ice cream. Yeah, I did. And I was the ice cream lady because I helped uh, him run that shop for... I helped, it was just me and him up in that bitch. It was ice cream and crepes. Nice. And comics because I convinced him to sell his comics there. He was like, no one's going to want them. And they kept selling out. And I was like, I told you. People that like ice cream don't like... <laughs> for cucumber the winter months were really dead at the ice cream shop obviously in minnesota yeah so i painted all of the backgrounds in the shop on a church a vintage church pew that he had that he just had in the <laughs> shop for customers to sit on and then i did character backgrounds and then when we went home i had like a cracked version of harmony or whatever and like Basically, I just did like rough animation of all the shots that I broke up from the animatic. And then I threw him the rough animation that I did in Harmony, which was like tweened and everything, but just like, you know, kind of shitty and sketchy. And then he cleaned it in Adobe Animate because he was using his friend's Adobe Creative Cloud thing or whatever. So, like, we were both on saving money the best we and it, could. And yeah, he
1: was cleaning it on, a, an, on an old prayer rug, you know? Yes. And... <laughs> no, no.
2: And then I love that. He, <laughs> it he had a, we, both, we both had stolen versions of, like, animation software. And we were just both, like, praying to the voodoo god of death. But, yeah, then, you know, I compo- it was just me and him on that one. The only person I hired for that was justin to help me that was uh bk and sound guy to help me with sound effects because he's amazing with that and sound design but uh i did all the voices he did voices we did all the animation and backgrounds and hunter did like a little voice for like an old woman in that cartoon or whatever but that was like basically like bare bones but like it took a really long time to do like a really long time to do like is like a four minute short five minute short or whatever I don't know how long it is it took like three mm. months but I was doing other stuff too and my focus is kind of trash so three months is pretty
0: fast honestly like but, you're saying it took really long but I feel like in in terms of a compared to like industry uh-huh. timelines three months is really fast
2: right but the animation's a little choppy I guess you could say also oh my god Mr. Happy! cucumber i'm sending this to nicholas right now (laughs) but yeah like the animation wasn't the animation wasn't like extremely extravagant or you know it wasn't like hell of a boss animation or even you know like it
0: still looks like really good. I mean, I w- I'm like really impressed when I see the shorts. And I think the story is really good. And the compositing's fantastic. So it feels like a solid little short, you know, like, so I think it's really cool that you pulled it off in three months. You know, that's like, <laughs>
2: I, I loved it so much. Oh my god, I would love Nicholas is really business minded. He's being like, Interviewed by people and like fancy stuff, and I'm more just sort of like, hey, does anyone need lighting on a cartoon character? But he wants to. I think he wants to pitch cucumber eventually. I have no idea how we would even go forward with that. But like, it was just so affordable. Like I will literally, you know, just like do it on site. Like it would be so fun. But uh, I'm trying to save up as much money as I can right now, and like be able to make more stuff like that in my free time because it's just, like, so fun. I want to do some more shorts. I've been kind of, like, not, not a super powerhouse of creation recently. I've been uh, visiting my hometown and, like, kind of taking it easy a little bit. But, yeah, I'm just so... I
1: Are, are you saying that a dormant volcano is not still a resting power of destruction? Even though uh, you're resting, you are still a power, a, a force of nature of animation and creation just because you are a does not take that from you.
2: Oh, I'm not going to say I'm a weapon of mass creation, but like, (laughs) I guess if you had... Let's just say
1: they are constantly trying to find me for drone strikes.
2: (laughs) All I'm going to say is you're not going to read about me accurately in first world countries.
1: They're going to make up lies about you. there's going going to be misinformation (laughs) spread about your about your
2: dude i would love to i you know like i don't know if i'm crazy so everything's chaos right now right Mm -hmm. when we don't really we understand the basic anatomy of how a deal goes through traditionally and we're Mm -hmm. starting to see all these weird ways that deals go through i wonder if like yeah, like you don't make something that has Batman beyond level quality animation to it, right? But like how cheaply you can make it. I wonder if that could be leveraged in a in a deal potentially, you know what I mean?
0: I I wonder about that a lot just because I wonder so so I I've noticed expectations from the audience has risen a lot in terms of the quality of the cartoon both for studios and for YouTube so people will be like well if this isn't like yeah hell of a bus quality then kind of like what are you doing or like if if TV show and we, we kind of see it with the comments that are being posted about the has-been hotel made by Bento where they're like well it's not as good as the YouTube series and stuff and there is so I, I don't really know how much the studios are paying attention to that and 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 a part of me feels like this is just me like speculating that ed- the the main edge that the studios have over indie content is the amount of money they can throw at a project but the edge that YouTube or indie content has over studios is that snps are very loose and you can make whatever you want
1: well, the other the other edge that has shifted is it used to be mm-hmm. that quality that the quality of studio production would be higher than the stuff that made, was made on YouTube, but it's leveling yeah. out now. And yeah. so, it's not
2: the case for the yeah, majority of now. instances.
0: Yeah, the only the only thing studios can do faster, I guess, and is like they can make a twenty six. Episode like, ser- like uh, series like a series tw- like twenty six episode series in I would say like they can, like, they, can yeah. they can do it faster yeah you can you can by the by the moment you start and the time it releases it's only three years and you have tw- twenty six episodes or more sometimes True. I think that's the only that's the main thing that's the yeah. but the quality that people are putting out on YouTube is sometimes even better than the shows that are. Coming out on TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's such a sure. bummer
1: that people's expectations are so high for quality right now. Because, dude, I love home movies. I love like *Avatar: yes. Hunger Force*. I love like shitty animation because it's funnier. It's fun. Like I'm, I, I'm gonna I, I be straight. When animation looks shitty, it makes you laugh more. I, in my opinion, that when stuff is shitty, it, it it can go further for making a joke stupider for me for me for me
2: even just outside of that i think people are being trained to not like i don't think there's a grand conspiracy but it's just like what a company makes over and over again right becomes Mm -hmm. kind of like synonymous with what quality may or may not mean not with everyone but like a majority or whatever right
1: yeah Mm Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that the idea of what quality means has become measurable for some people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's mistake numero uno. Well, like I think, I think for me, quality is kind of like ephemeral, right? Like Nathan Mm -hmm. Fielder is either the worst actor or the best actor, depending on how you look at it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think animation is being forced to be in this box where it's like, okay, but can you be super dynamic in like 3D? It's like, sure, mad respect to the Spider Verse and stuff, right? But like Yeah, it's its own n-
1: skill set. But
2: it is its own skill set, but it's like writing, cinematography, sound, composition, pacing, and, and my favorite thing, and in my opinion the most important and most important thing miz and scene these are not things that they're not yeah. all the same thing they're all different things they're like different pokemon stats right like yeah we just i think people have to open their mind not all animation is going to be smooth not all animation is going to be choppy not all the lighting is going to be good or not good or whatever, you know, like people need to be a little bit more open, you know, And, and not just people. Maybe I'm talking to the studios here. Things don't need to look like they're like, I want it to look, like spider-verse but i want to have the writing of twin peaks and i want it to be directed <laughs> by quentin tarantino and i want Duggart to be the main role voice actor you know i like, guess it's like
0: i think for me what i've noticed with the studios recently is that they're really playing it safe they're trying to play it super safe so they're not gonna take a big swing at a concept that is too like too high concept you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so if you don't if you don't (laughs) that's my joke I'm always telling people if you don't pitch two kids going to school it's gonna be too crazy you know like two kids in the suburb two American kids from the suburbs going to school (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's too crazy so that's kind of I think the appeal but of... they
2: do get rewarded sometimes if they do that like I always I always make this joke about mm. how over the garden wall I mean it's a legendary project that is beloved deeply to this day for many good reasons but the only issue around the garden wall is I feel like either it was released a little bit too late or way too early because it was like All the people, I feel like everyone who was in love with Adventure Time and regular Mm -hmm. show and like this epic golden age flapjack era of like Cartoon Network was like either on their way to college or they were like... Really busy, like starting their life or whatever. And Over the Garden Wall came out. And, like, when that came out, wasn't that basically like a flop when it came out, like, as far as numbers go? And then 10 years later, after it released, it was like a legend. It was like the Beatles. It was like a legendary tier animated series, right?
0: Yeah, because it's a, um, it's kind of what I guess you could describe as like a cult classic where it's like, 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 like I don't think I don't think studios wanna make cult cool classics because those aren't bring in any money. I also heard so from Sean that you're a witch. Oh
2: hells, yeah. That's what <laughs> and that's definitely that's definitely one word for it for sure.
1: no i i think it's probably an oversimplification i i you know what i mean like a colloquial
2: i did that on purpose (laughs) there's like definitely like i'm wearing like layers of clothes and that's for sure like a jacket under my coat for sure like that's there well i go i go definitely like a occultist first Mm -hmm. cartoonist second Ooh. Uh, and i was always i was always drawing cartoons but like my mom she i was raised in a catholic household and i don't know if you and now these like modern catholics where they convert to catholicism and they're like super conservative like irish catholics are kind of more like they won't admit that they're folklorish if you know what i mean mm.
1: like there's some pagan roots in there that that are a mm. little bit like glossed over absolutely
2: like the saints there's different ways of like contacting the saints and praying to the mm. saints and asking them for favor. And if sometimes if they don't help you, you'll take a picture of a saint in a frame and you'll put the frame down and you'll be like, I'll put the frame back up if you help me. Yeah,
1: I'm guilty. Um, <laughs> I'm a guilty. <laughs> That's so
2: funny. My family, <laughs> uh, my mom particularly is sometimes certain Catholic families it, it this is kind of like voodoo in a sense, and voodoo has a lot of Catholicism in it. But my family has a really strong tie to the Saint uh, Saint Anthony, and mm. Saint Anthony is the finder of lost things. And there's an oh. interesting Saint Anthony prayer. Like if you're losing, if you lost something, it could be something important, like your passport. It could be something dumb, like your car keys, or like something you just put down. It does. You don't have to be Catholic. You don't even have to believe in Saint Anthony. But if you say with a, if you're pure of Yu Gi Oh heart, and you say, and while you're looking for the thing, you say Saint Anthony, Saint Anthony, please come around. Something is lost and must be found. You will find it. You don't. You could be an atheist and you'll find it. It's so crazy.
1: That's that, so cool. That subject matter. It, it sounds like a, a a certain short that you and I had talked about a long time ago.
2: Oh my god. And that's what eventually became Deep States. That's the same characters. Yeah, with the... Wow, hugs. (laughs) So so, yeah, the cult has always been really important to me. I was raised in a Catholic household. I went on to... I kind of rejected Catholicism because of... Obviously, I had a brain and I was a teenager. So I rejected that. And I went on to explore Wiccan stuff, which is, like, level one. And then I Mm -hmm. went on to, like, search folklore stuff, which is kind of, like, level two. And then I went on to search, like, ceremonial magic, which is, like, Goetia, demon magic, which is kind of, like, level three. And then I went on to learn, under a couple people, voodoo and stuff. And also other things... And then I kind of settled into chaos magic, and chaos, ha- as a word, has come to mean discord. It's become di- uh, synonymous was... with the word discord, which means like things are not in their proper place. But with I was chaos... ask
0: you about discord, um, D- discordianism. Have you read that a little Hail, bit?
2: Hail, Eris. Yes.
0: Hail, that... Eris. That really got me through the pandemic. Actually, I read. I read the little. Did you the, read Principal
2: Discordia*? mm-hmm
0: I didn't oh. get all the way through it but I was like this is dope I listen,
2: like this listen listen you are both <laughs> you are both popes and I love you both very much Eris and I actually go way back and I used to not be a fan of Eris because ironically enough she was introduced to me by uh, patriarchal creeps I dated essentially <laughs> what was like the chaos magic slash dilemma equivalent of like a cult leader Mm. And I fell in love with him and he totally used that to kind of manipulate me and stuff. And he introduced me to Eris and then I knew the situation with him was terrible. Mm. So I was like, you know, I was like, fuck Eris or whatever. But um, I eventually became, I'm now a leader in the community Mm. that this, this person is not in anymore or welcome in. And I am like. Uh, an admin sort of and leader and part of this big community of chaos magic so hail eris she's amazing she's incredible she's kind of viewed at uh, viewed as like kind of like a drama starter but really at the end of the day it's like in what world where the patriarchy is kind of like enforcing negative stereotypes on both men and women and everything is kind of held together by Duct tape and lies, does the truth of nature kind of unravel that and cause issues? And there's an adjustment period, which to me is mm-hmm. what the golden apple is really about. So, hail mm-hmm. Eris! Hail Eris! Yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: I gotta link you up with my uh, with my home, Sapphire, who's a previous creative blog guest, mm-hmm. and also. A ghost hunter and also a paranormal and a and, and a cult like expert or you know in 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 the in this realm of like sort of paranormal activity and stuff.
2: I love that. I saw that she was getting into animation on Instagram. Actually, uh, she had like an animated segment that she was producing, and someone oh, was yeah, animating it an a- her. She's an
1: animator. She she's, she, an, she's animator? an animator. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I, I met her because she was an animator on Stone Quackers at Fox ADHD, and, and later, so she started off, uh, and she was a the host of Frederator, like, she, <clears throat> she was, like, uh, like on, on all the like, YouTube channels, uh, Shut like, up she, the Space she, Cat. she used to uh, host a Frederator segment, and then she got into doing, she has a, a, a podcast called Stories with Sapphire, where she interviews people about their spiritual or uh, paranormal stories and she animates horror stories and so she i think she does most of the animation and a lot of the drawing in those and uh yeah she's she's an animator who she actually is in two seasons of like she's a literal like trout like ghost hunter on television and and like she's like is one of the people that they cut to like for like reactions on those like paranormal shows like talk about like the history of a certain type of ghost in mythology and stuff like that right like, so she so she's like a an on tv paranormal expert but she's also an animator which is really cool
2: i love that those are the kinds of people that are really cool because it's like when you're into this sort of thing no matter how faithful you are or are not every, all, every ounce of faith and intuition and belief and like it requires you accepting okay this could be bullshit But in order to see this through, you know what I mean? You have to, like, kind of let it play out to, like, fully understand the full extent of it, you know what I mean? And Mm. it it sometimes goes so deep where it's so common that, like, you really can't talk to people about it. Not because you don't want to scare or offend people, because you don't want to end up in grippy socks, you know what i mean
1: gotcha. Yeah. for
0: anybody um listening check out episode 123 that's a uh, sapphire sandalo's episode where we talk about her animation career and i'm gonna listen to
1: that career. pretty yeah. cool if, if you ever come to la i'm a i'm I'm hit hip sapphire and i, I,
2: like I want to come there so bad that would be so I, fun i want to hang out with my my uh dakota you That'd be so fun. Let's just have all big party. That's a uh,
1: Wizard of Barge who uh, Molly has also worked with.
0: He, oh hell um, yeah! He, um, I love th- his stuff. He's so good. I, I own like three shirts of him.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that was a really that was like years ago but like we did some uh stuff for a studio digital yeah, oh I yeah i feel like
1: that was literally only like a year and a half ago i don't know i don't know how long ago you think it was, was it wasn't, a year, it wasn't that long
2: <laughs> it was it was it was probably even it was less than a year ago actually because it was right <laughs> after I moved in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. well i mean like it just feels like a really long yeah, time because sure. time is so messed up now i reached out i are they still making stuff
1: a uh, studio digital, There's,
2: like, are they still going? Because uh, I know they were like basically hitting the anvil, like Vulcan level, like going hard. Yeah, they you know they still I mean?
1: they still have a, a new animated uh, short from a different creator that comes out every uh, every day.
2: That's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Yeah, that's cool. Are you still working with them? Are you making shorts uh, with them? I am.
1: I am I'm not. Basically, I I think I used up all my like because most of the time. They give a lot of their budget to different, like every short is done by a different creator, and because of my relationships with them, basically, I, I, I mean, I, I took up a lot of their budget in a, in one year, I think, because I I made, pretty much for like half of a year, I made a short every every two weeks, like from start to finish, and then I made a an eight minute web series, uh, and got wow. made into it, and so so like uh, I think I think they were like, okay, we should like feature some other animators now and and i'm like yeah sure oh you know I, you know i move on and and I, I think that uh it's it's a cool thing just because there's not very many people doing it or there's not very mm-hmm. many studios or opportunities uh where you get to get paid a, mm-hmm. a certain amount of money and have a lot like just like basically drawing your own style and and create something and that, and that, and that part is pretty wow cool.
2: that must have been like so like wait you said every other week
1: every other so i would i would make a uh, a 30 second animation uh from writing to all the way to finish um and uh in in two weeks and and that was on their that's on insane their part, that was on their part time schedule so i was working with them part time during that time and working other jobs too um but their full time schedule was 30 seconds a uh, 30 second short every single week um
2: so part time was 30 seconds every uh two weeks
1: every two weeks yeah um or uh or in two
2: fifteens or whatever.
1: Th- wait, thir- th- yeah, yeah. Part time was uh a thirty second short every two weeks or a one minute short um in a month. And then uh full time was ha was uh ha- like two times as fast. So I, I oh was like God, that's that I was like so that's too so crazy. I was like, that's too crazy to keep up in, in a consistent way. I'm gonna just do part time, and, uh, and that was cool.
0: What if we got into a couple of questions from our listeners? There's a couple. I'd love that. I, there's a couple of things that we already went over, namely, kind of like how you got your start with uh, Meet Kenyon. We went over that. Thanks at Ninja three nine three for the question, and we've kind of went over the programs that you use. So thank you at Nova Scotia for asking that question. I have a couple of questions that are pretty much the same. So, at Eric Art 6 and at a11y underscore cat and inkhaiji, hey, hey, they're all kind of asking, what advice can you give to someone who wants to learn compositing?
2: Okay, so there's kind of this idea in animation that, and animators will tell you this, background artists will tell you this and directors in animation will tell you this but listen to me listen to me when i tell you <laughs> they are wrong it seems to be that there is this weird idea that in animation backgrounds need to be j- or like the characters need to be jarringly separated from the backgrounds aesthetically mm. and they're wrong and then they'll sit there and they'll say, oh, why does no one think we're cinematic? Pick a filmmaker that you're that you that interests you for some reason. It could be you don't know much about them and you just want to know more about them or you're drawn to them for some reason or the or another. And really pay attention to like how they use color, you know what I mean? And don't be afraid to apply color and light in similar ways in animation. For example, who's the guy who did a... I'm having a brain fart. I love this movie. It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. They're wearing masks. It's like the Illuminati. They got the infidelios, the password. The guy in Scientology is the main character. Hmm. Eyes Wide Shut. Oh,
0: right.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So Eyes Wide Shut. People look at me when I'm crazy when I say this. But in *Eyes Wide Shut*, the cinematography is inspired by Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Mm. Van Gogh believed that the color blue was the color of truth, and that Mm. the color yellow was the color of insanity and therefore evil. And Mm. you'll notice, you'll notice as you watch *Eyes Wide Shut* that whenever character is kind of confront how messed up the situation that they're in is the scene will become blue and whenever they start to get drunk in their reality scenes will become glowing and yellow and the interesting thing about this is the characters become so drunk in the golden yellow of the movie that at some point they lose their daughter And they don't even confront that in the main plot because they're lost in insanity and lies. It's kind of like a movie about child trafficking. But the point here is everything being drowned in darkness or blinded by the light. Think of lighting and shadows as being equally important to design because Mm -hmm. I feel like the number one pitfall that animators and animation gets in and it depends on the style like every style is different and like you know like look at the powerpuff girls for example like you know every director has a different vision and all of them should be respected equally just don't be afraid of breaking these traditional rules in animation as far as like you know, if you want to put a gigantic gradient on the top of the screen that almost completely drowns out the character because you want to say something about the scene being blinding and uncomfortable, take that risk. And there's nothing wrong with losing elements in the background or the character animation because the vibe of the animation can be not only as important as the animation and the design. But in some cases, it can be more important. It can actually make it. It can change everything. And it can also be to the detriment of the storytelling. You know what I mean? Everything mm-hmm. should be about the storytelling. Find the soul and the vibe of the story. And if you want to make it super dark, if you want to make it super bright, if you want to drown us in blue or yellow because of whatever, you should feel free to do so and not be so scared yeah. about like, if Yeah.
1: I, I think that the, um, there's a certain power to having a compositor that is separate from the design and animation process because like if you're, do, uh, if you're doing your own compositing, a lot of the times you're so tied to the previous ways that you viewed both the character and the background and the animation together that you'll be scared to mess up what you originally planned, mm-hmm. but what you're doing is giving those things to a compositor and they can see the whole thing together mm-hmm. and what it could be.
2: And that was a huge struggle for me for Cucumber. Oh, yeah, because you, you were part of every step of the I process. Did every, so, yeah. I did everything yeah, in Cucumber. Yeah. I, did, I designed all the colors so that they would be color corrected in a way that they would automatically work together. So in a way, I pre-composited Cucumber before I even made it. And it, I was like, oh, fuck, should I even composite it? Because it looked really good flat. You know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. like both outcomes are kind of good in that instance. You know what I mean?
1: Would you rather Mm -hmm. create a project and be the compositor and not the other parts of the project or like design and animation or do design or storyboarding, whatever, and hire a compositor on your project? What do you think?
2: I think that when I'm the compositor, ultimately at the end of the day – you know, all roads lead to Mr. Wonderful. Like, everything ends up in my hands anyway. hmm And I feel really confident as a compositor that I know that I'll take care of myself. There are other compositors who can work magic, too, but I just, like, feel like cool. I've taken myself to the limits of almost, like, what is possible. I, I'm not necessarily. There's so much more for me to learn. I don't mm. know shit, but, like... I know that would do be good.
1: Well, what I mean is because you are aware of your own like unconscious bias of like how you, you know, like, oh, I'm so excited about this animated shot. I wouldn't want to cover it up in a way I hadn't thought of about it previously, you know, in the way that like hiring a compositor that's separate from you to look at it impartially i was just curious about if you've yeah thought about that if you if you're like okay you know like mental note i on on the next cucumber like i'd, I'd like to have another compositor uh besides me it's always
2: it's always incredible like not knowing like what someone's gonna do but knowing that you can trust them and knowing that they're like their brain and their unique circumstances and choices are going to create something that's going to be like Not only more than what you can imagine, but also just like different, you know what I mean? Just like uh, I always feel that way with uh, I feel like compositing is uh, akin to music and sound design because there's kind of like a more of like a vibe element to the show. And even though it feels like it's, like, not direct, and it's not one of those sexy jobs, right? Like, character animation or background design. It is so essential and important to the vibe, depending on what the director is going for. And the thing is, I've hired, I hired this music guy and sound designer guy to, like, do a short for me after I finished it. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? I didn't have the money to spend on that, but I spent it. I know it's the right thing, right? And then when he turns it in, it's something so beautiful and different than what I could have imagined that like, I literally am brought to tears.
1: Because it's just like,
2: such a like, I'm just like, I didn't know this was possible. You know what I mean? Like, I only know what I know. Like, more brains is uh, something that Hunter always says, meat Canyon more brains Mm -hmm. is always better Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's always better yeah yeah
0: i agree yeah i feel like you get you get so much more to like being challenged seeing what other people can come up with to seeing things in another angle um yeah that's a that's a great uh observation
1: yeah, that that's a similar philosophy to the Midnight Gospel, I think. which mm-hmm. is which is another a little a little bit like over the garden wall. That's another one that like I Absolutely, feel like that's in the same family. Undercover. It has like a a little cult fan base that still references it all the time and I still like I still follow the Midnight Gospel uh trending ta- or like tag on on um Instagram and stuff and like still posts all the time about it, you know, like it, it's it's funny how those like small you know smaller fandoms like you know they latch on to something and it meant something to them you know
2: oh my god twin pigs twin pigs midnight gospel (laughs) midnight gospel bring them back do we have
1: another uh uh, viewer question
0: we we do have a bunch but uh unfortunately i feel like we are a little bit tight on time so crass and mallard thank you so much for being our patrons and asking questions and sorry that we didn't get to them, but we did notice them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you so much at Fuse Box Jackson 2789 for also asking a question. I think we kind of want to wrap it up real fast with you plugging your socials sure like where can we find your work what are you working on right now what do you want to plug right uh
2: sure i'm wally might you can follow me follow me anywhere on wally might my name is wally might everywhere tiktok youtube patreon whatever i just wrote eight episodes of a show called deep states i'm really excited about it i'm doing all the character design now really excited started doing some thumbnail animatics of it probably going to animate it all by myself cuz i don't want to pay people nothing and you shout out to the island people should be paid i am so <laughs> thankful to be here this podcast is so cool you you podcast you like you interview a lot of very cool people and uh, you are a spider wizards that weave a lot of pe- cool people together and I'm just like so thankful to be part of this. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the pod. That was so fun. And with that,
0: it's the end of this creative block. Wooly, might thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Woo!
1: <laughs> and thanks to and thanks to our listeners too. Follow us on social media at CRTV Block where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests, even if we can't always get to all of them because Uh, The conversation is just too enthralling. Uh, Huge thanks to our editor Clemens for editing the podcast, Marco for helping us to produce the show, and Ibuka for creating the short clips that we've been putting out. We're so excited about those. And uh, anybody who may have found us through those clips, please uh, say something in the comments. we love to know who it's reaching.
0: Yeah, yeah! yeah if you love our show you can support us on patreon becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews and access to our discord community Uh, Another great way you can support the pod is just interact with the content by either liking, subscribing, or commenting. Any of the small things like that really help us a ton. So you could just uh, tell us about uh, what you had for lunch today, (laughs) if you don't know what to comment. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, V.
1: And I was Sean. Keep dugging on those animated shots, and we'll see you next week.
2: And I'm Ollie Bye. and I love and I love you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we can stop the recording here.